And now for this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Week in Weird News. So, this week in Weird News. Um, Kyle, you can relate to this one. This is a... Um, I don't know if this is covered by insurance or not. Man found, man found 160 bowling balls under his Michigan home. Now, they weren't just under his home. They were in his home. Um, him and his wife, who live in Mus- Muskegon, 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 I knew that. I knew that. I was going to get there. Um, him and his wife, uh, this is the second owner. And they were having some trouble with their stairs. They were kind of rickety and kind of falling apart. Uh, and this was a um, cinder block type built house. So he had some people come over. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. So he just started figuring he'd tear them down. Well, as he started tearing into the stairs, he found all these bowling balls that were filling the gaps in the cinder ball in the cinder blocks. So instead of using concrete to fill in the gaps, they used bowling balls. So he got curious and started looking at other places of his home. And to date, right now, he has found over 160 bowling balls, some complete, some half, some pieces, throughout his entire home that they used as part of the foundation. I don't think that would meet code. Maybe not, but I've seen dumber things. That's a that's a pretty good one, but this uh, apparently this uh, Brunswick thought they might have had a plant there at one time, but they found out that they didn't. So the uh, the mystery continues. We don't know where the balls came from, what was the reason for the balls, but the man has 160 balls in his house. Well, those are the ones he's removed. He believes there's more. What you got? So I've got a 65 um, year old man in Austria, not Australia, but Austria. They don't have kangaroos in Austria that um, was sitting on the toilet and felt a pinch in the area of his genitals only to find a five foot python was inside the toilet and took a little nip at him. Ouch. Yes. Says uh, the snake came in through the drains and everything. Um, Emergency services was able to remove the snake from the toilet 
And uh, who cares about the toilet? Did they um, remove it from the man? They removed it from the man. Okay. The man was treated and released, and uh, emergency services actually brought the snake back to its owner. Oh, this was some which I think is really kind of surprising because uh, how did they know? Uh, I guess it was the only person that owned pythons in the area, maybe. I was thinking he may have had a little little snake tag around his neck, you know. I I actually uh, I actually had that. Um, most people know that I was a fireman before in another life uh, for the United States Air Force, and we actually got a call to a beach, uh, the beach that was there on the Air Force Base in Guam, called T- uh, Taragi Beach, and um, we got a call down to the beach of a man that got bit by a rat snake. Now they don't have any poisonous snakes in uh, in Guam except for the sea snakes, but they stay pretty much in the ocean. So there's no poisonous snakes, but we do have these rat snakes that would get bigger than 20 foot long. I mean, these things would get enormously long. Um, and apparently this gentleman had been bitten by one of these rat snakes that do have fangs and sharp teeth, but they have no venom. Um, anyway, we arrived on scene and the man was in agony, rolling on the ground, people around him. He's in agony. Come to find out, it was a very similar uh, situation, but this one had coiled up inside of a porta potty, and uh, the man sat down to uh, relieve himself. And I guess something resembled a rat, not exactly certain. <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, instincts of the snake took over, and he grabbed hold. And uh, apparently, he didn't let go right away. And um, so that was a struggle before we got there. But when we got there, the man. The man was not in good shape, and um, there were parts of him that were, I'd say, eight to ten times larger than they should have been because they were swollen. And the man was not a happy camper. Um, had to take him to the hospital, and as far as I know, he was fine, but definitely a bad day for him. So if you folks have, and- uh, have discovered or have realized, uh, my buddy Justin is not here today. Justin is at a trade show in Las Vegas. Um, lucky him. I love Las Vegas. What's I know. he trading? Well, he's, uh, he, he works for, um, a, a video surveillance company. And so his company is one of the companies that's showing in this, in this trade show. And so he had to just, just grin and bear it and, uh, had to go out to Vegas and, um, set up the trade show and, and sit there and, and babysit the booth while, uh, while in Vegas. So. But uh, I know it's a it's a city of sin and it's terrible and it's horrible and it's awful. But man, I love that place. I love Vegas. Uh, beautiful country. You you've been to Vegas before, right? Yeah. In fact, I um, remember at one point I had to go to Vegas. Thought I was going to be there. Um, uh, well, actually, it was uh, helping you with salvage. Uh, you sent me to Vegas on your behalf to look at a bunch of stage equipment and I got there and somebody had already stolen all of it. And, um, I basically turned around, went back to the airport and you're like, you're not even gonna spend the night. I'm like, no. So love Vegas, man. The food phenomenal. The entertainment is great. Uh, just being out in there is, is awesome. Um, someone's trying to call me. They should know better. I have the light on anyway. Uh, so since my buddy Justin's not here today, we have, uh, Kyle sitting in as a uh, guest host with us and, uh, and Kyle, we, uh, 
we kind of beat up on you last time, and uh, I'm hoping you've recovered since then. So how how you doing over there today? I'm absolutely fine. Good, 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 good. Glad to hear it. Glad but to hear I do it. have another story. Okay, go for it. So this references how fact usually uh, professional athletes are typically given really nice paychecks, prizes, gifts, trinkets, whatever, after having a brilliant performance. Well, apparently in Ireland, Laura Haplin uh, played in three matches and did quite well. And you know what her prize was? tennis racket a bag of potatoes nice was this in iowa no this was in ireland ireland oh wow are potatoes that rare there no but uh they were sheridan potatoes oh well they're sheridan potatoes well there you go yeah well all right well all right well that will end our weird news for today all right man so what are we talking about today what's on your mind what you got well my idea was that um i remember several years ago you and i started having discussions about the Bible more frequently. And um, one thing I had never kind of put together was the, the different kind of purpose. Uh, or, or, and um, okay. we kind of went through that. All right. You're going to have to back up just a little bit. We had a little bit of a glitch and you max headroomed on us for a few minutes. So you and I had okay. discussions and, and what now? We had discussions about uh, the, the themes, I guess, or the, uh, the purposes of the various books of the Bible. Okay. And, um, you know, when thinking of a topic for today's discussion, you know, I kind of thought, you know, maybe there's a lot of other people out there that don't really, you know, get that there's kind of a, a theme to each section. So I figured we could talk about that. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have kind of read the Bible, but I don't know that they've actually put two and two together. As to uh, yeah, and it's 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 actually very amazing how the Bible um, flows so well. I mean, it 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 from the beginning to the end, um, it all has this continuity about it. And the odd thing about that is that there are sixty six books in the overall Bible, thirty nine in the Old Testament, twenty seven in the New Testament, and it's written by over forty authors. So over forty, yeah, between. 3,500 and 2,000 years ago, this whole thing was put together, and very few of the of the authors even knew each other. Um, I mean, you get into the New Testament, and you know the some of the gospel accounts and some of the letters. Obviously, they knew each other, but you look back, and you know, um, you know, like Genesis, the first five books, and in, in, you know, the first five books of there that Moses wrote. You know, obviously he's writing history. He's writing about people that he obviously never met, uh, that just God inspired him to write about. Um, and then, you know, you move on to all these other books, and, and half these people didn't even know each other, and yet it's amazing 
how one thing follows the next thing, follows the next thing, follows the next thing perfectly to where the Bible eventually concludes. Um, so as a little bit of roadmap, like we said, you know, the Bible's made up of six, six books with over 40 authors. Um, and we have, what, we, what we need to remember is that the entire Bible, the, the whole thing, revolves around one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. The, the entire Bible revolves around the cross. Uh, that moment in time, that act, that, um, that person, you know, God in flesh. And so the entire Bible revolves around that. The Old Testament is looking to the cross. We're, we're looking for it. We're looking, you know, it's, it's, it's not yet come and we're waiting on it. So we're looking towards it. And then, of course, the Old Testament is looking back at the cross and, and what the significance of it was. I like to say that it's in, um, and I don't, I don't know if anybody else uses this or not, but I, I kind of look at the Bible into four eras. Um, the prophetic era, which is the Old Testament. Uh, that's the raising of God's people. That's the looking to the cross. We're waiting on something to happen. We're, we're waiting for our Redeemer to come. Then we've got the Messianic, which is the four Gospels. Those are the life of Jesus. So the cross is here, uh, the ministry of Christ as the Messiah. It's here. And then we've got the apostolic era, which is the new church, where the apostles build the new church based on what Christ did, looking back at the cross. And then what I call the millennial era, which is the end times, which is the, the last book, Revelation, where John's telling us all about, um, about the, uh, the, what's, what's coming, what the end times are coming. So that's how kind of the whole Bible is, is laid out. Um, now, obviously, we as Christians had nothing to do as far as you know, us writing, because Christianity wasn't even invented in the Old Testament yet. Um, so that's kind of the Jewish Bible, uh, what, what the Jews, uh, the Jewish people call the Tanakh. And, uh, and that's made up of the 39 books there. So in those 39 books, you have the five books of the, of, um, of the Torah or the Pentateuch, which Torah mean, basically means teaching. The Pentateuch was the first five books that Moses wrote. Uh, then you've got the Nevi'im and the Ketavim, um, the Nevi'im is the prophets like Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, and and then the minor prophets, the minor twelve prophets, and then the Ketvim is the writings of the Psalms, the Proverbs, etc., Job, Ruth, all that. So when you say it uh, it has a theme, what do you mean by having a theme, other than everything tying together? So for you know some examples well, you would have. For example, Leviticus. Okay. That's where the laws are established. That's and then Leviticus and Deuteronomy, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, and then in Deuteronomy is kind of like, you know, what I really mean. Right, yeah, yeah. Tell me what um, you mean, what you really, really mean. So, uh, you know, just, just that. I mean, I, I think everybody understands what Genesis is. Yeah, so, then, you know, yeah, Leviticus came in, and, and, and so God um, not only... Did he set his people apart? You know, he pulled them out of Egypt. Um, he, he made them wander in the desert for 40 years because of their sin, because while Moses was going up and getting the 15, no, wait, 10 commandments. Okay, only a few people are going to get that. Uh, and One I of the greatest scenes of the movie yeah, all no, time. No, no. Anyway, um, 
you know, as he comes off Mount Sinai, you know, they're already have built a cow, the, the golden calf, and they're, they're worshiping the golden calf. And, it, you know, it didn't even take them 40 days to turn on, on Moses and on God. So for that, God said that that generation will not be allowed to enter the promised land, the promised land that, that he told Moses he was leading his people to. Um, but in, in pulling the people out of Egypt and bringing them into the, to the, the desert, he also established how they should live, how, they sh- how their society should go, how their laws should happen. Uh, he basically set up a, a, a society of here's the things that you need to do. Here's the ways that you need to do it. Um, he also, of course, set up you know, moral laws, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt and thou shalt not. Now, we'll get into that law later and, and why that law was set up. But there were a lot of laws. That, you know, in Leviticus, you'll find that there are 613 laws, that, that God set up 613 laws. And a lot of those were basically put in place simply to help the Hebrews um, live for, for, for a better you know, a better way of saying it. Uh, you know, laws like um, wash your food before you cook it. Um, wash your hands before you touch the food. Um, if you're sick, you had to leave camp for X amount of days. Um, you know, a lot of these laws that he put in place, you know, which, which food you could eat because God had granted uh, Abraham the ability to eat meat now. You know, once we left the garden, we became, you know, carnivores. And so God said, you know, eat of everything. Well, because the Hebrews are, you know, were being set up as a society, God put some limits on which meats they could eat. And the reason being, you know, for example, pigs. You know, why in the world would God deny you bacon? I, 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 you know, why would he deny his people bacon, the greatest thing in the world? And the reason being is because we all know if we don't cook pork, you know, correctly, if we don't get it up to 165 degrees, then there are parasites and bacteria in that pork that could kill us. Well, of course, the Hebrews don't know that. So God set up this system of telling them how to live, what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, what not to do, to try to get them to survive, because those are his people. He has, he has a purpose for them. Um, and so he sets these laws out for two reasons. One, setting up society, and number two, that we'll get into later. Yeah, well, it's largely um, common sense. Well, it's common sense to us. Now it's common sense, but they had no idea what a bacteria was. Exactly. And that would be pretty difficult to explain. Exactly. You know, yeah, there's these things you you can't see. So, yeah, but they're going to kill you. Whatever. At some point, I want to get into job, too. Job? It says job. (laughs) It's pronounced Job. Yeah, I know. I know. Remember you know. in the last podcast when we talked about how my purpose is to torment you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that, that was just a little uh, a little attempt at tormenting Troy. Yeah, you're doing a good job. So what do you want to know about Job? Oh, I really don't. I mean, I just wanted to. You just wanted to say God. the word job. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, Job is one of those books. <laughs> Job is one it's of those. A, it's awesome. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it really, to me, it's one of the more important one's one of the more important books because it illustrates a lot. Well, it does. And here's the thing. What we don't know, we don't know when it was written. We don't know who wrote it. We, we have no idea really who wrote it or when it was written. And we think that it may even predate uh, Abraham. 
So we're, we're not certain on a lot of things. There's a lot of things about Job that we're not certain on. And if you haven't written the book, if you haven't read the book of Job, um, it, it's, it's an interesting read. And the way I look at it is, you know, um, it's, it's kind of like the devil went down to Georgia. Really? Really. You know, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal, right? Okay. Um, all right. All right. And, I got you now. Yeah. And so he had, you know, Satan had this conversation with God. He said, you know, I bet your buddy down there, Job, wouldn't be so high and mighty if you weren't blessing him all the time. And God said, no, he, he's, he's, you know, free to do what he wants. He's got his free will. You know, he, he worships me because he loves me. He lo- and I love him because he loves me. And so, therefore, I love him, and so I bless him. Yeah, but I bet you if you quit blessing him, I bet you he wouldn't love you so much. And so, in the teenager's terms today, God said, bet. And that's pretty much what the whole dadgum book's about, is a bet between Satan and God on whether or not Job's going to turn. Yep, and Job is the pawn. Job is the pawn, and God tells Satan, you can do anything you want. (coughs) but you can't kill him. You can't harm him and you can't kill him. You can take everything he's got. You can take everyone he's got, which he did, but you can't kill him. Um, and so this whole thing plays out and it's, you know, it's a much longer version than that, but it's, you know, like I said, to me, it reminds me of the devil went down to Georgia, you know, and, and, and Johnny shows him up and Johnny ends up playing better than he did, and Satan has to lay that golden fiddle down at Johnny's feet. Well, it's the same same outcome. You know, through it all, Job stayed faithful. He was depressed. He was hurt. He was didn't understand, couldn't figure things out, um, but he stayed faithful. And, and through it all, he was, you know, thanking God even in the hard times. And, you know, in the end, when Satan was finally done and, and laid the golden fiddle down, um, God restored Job and restored him better than he was before. Um, so as he, as he went through the trials, you know, God had a plan that, you know, when he gets through this, I'm gonna make it even better for him. And so he ended up with, you know, more and, and more blessings than he ever had before. Um, and I can't decide if I like it or hate it. I just can't decide on that book, whether I like it or hate it. I just think it's admirable. On Job's part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you know, I mean. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people would have bailed real quick. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But now Job had no idea that it was, that this bet had been going on. Absolutely. Yeah. If he would have known, yeah, that would have kind of ruined the whole thing. Right. And, and. If he would have known that there was going to be an end of that, that test, then, um, yeah, he would have probably, you know it would have been a little easier to stick with. You know, and the funny thing is we, we take that, and like I said, we don't know when it was written. And, and honestly, we don't even know. That's one of those stories that, you know, we were talking about earlier about, you know, is this a true story? Is there really a man named Job that, you know, the devil went down and, and tormented for, for X amount of years? Or was this just something that someone wrote as a encouragement uh, to faith. We don't, we have no way of knowing. Um, we can trace back a lot of things and we can look at a lot of things and say, yep, this happened, that happened, that happened, that happened. Job is one of those that were like, yeah, maybe we don't know for sure. 
Um, but it's a great way. It's a great testament for us that, you know what, even in the hard times, even in the bad times, even when we think there's absolutely no way out that God's got our back, you know, no matter what God's got our back and he's going to see us through it. And in the end, when it's all said and done, you're probably going to come out better off than you were, you know, when you started. That was your cue. <laughs> so recently, my daughter. I know this is your first one. I know. I know. A, my daughter had an incident a few weeks ago where she was at the airport. She found a $50 bill and um, she went up and gave it to one of the counselors. And later she was like, you know, that counselor is probably just going to keep it. You know, I regret giving him that $50 bill. I should have just kept it. And I was like, no. I said, you know, because it could all be a test. I said, you know, you did the right thing and, you know, karma's not going to come looking for you. You know, I said that $50 could have been the last $50 that somebody had that was traveling out of state and they really needed it. I said, you know, you absolutely did the right thing. Don't, don't regret what you did. And I know that's, you know, not exactly the same as, as Job, but it's, it's, um, Job went through a lot of tests, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. Um, but in the end, it uh, paid off well for him. And, you know, I think that's the lesson in a lot of things, even if it's just finding a $50 bill on the ground. Yeah. And I mean, J- Job kind of defines integrity, um, you know, and kind of like with your daughter right there, she had integrity, you know, and, and the way I define integrity is, you know, what you do when nobody's looking. Exactly. You know, is, you know, does what you say match what you do, whether somebody's looking or not? So, you know, if, if I call myself a Christian and and I say that I am saved and I say that I follow Jesus, but then I turn this podcast off and I, you know, turn the porn on TV and just sit here and, and, and watch that all night, well, then I have no integrity because my, my actions are not following what I'm saying. Um, and so that's, you know, that was your daughter. She had integrity. She did what was right, whether, you know, she could have easily picked it up, put it in her pocket. No one would ever know about it. Um, but instead of that, she did the right thing. And yeah. You know, and our plane could have crashed on the way home. It could have, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm so much of a, uh, of a karma believer, although man, sometimes you sure get some, some weird signs that it, that it could be, uh, out well, there. I do remember at one point you were uh, going to be on a plane. And your concern at that moment was not so much that today was your day to meet your maker. No, I was worried about the guy next to me. Yeah. As much as you were worried about the other 150 people on the plane, what if it's one of their days to meet their maker? (laughs) Exactly. You're on the plane with them. Right. You know, I don't know what you've been up to. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what your status is. If today's your day to be called to the Lord or to Satan, either way, why you got to take me with you? I, I don't want to go. So that's a good Just point. one more reason that Troy hates planes. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly, because I don't know if it's your time. Anyway, so, we, you know, we were talking about God leading his people um, and so many people today want to say that, oh, the Jewish people are the chosen people. They're, they're the ones, they're the chosen, they're the ones set aside. Well, that's true and not true. In the Old Testament, yes, they were the chosen people. But they were chosen for a purpose, and that purpose was to bring in the line of Christ. Through those people, through that 
people, Jesus would be born. Okay? So through the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, into David and Solomon and eventually to Mary, then came Jesus through that line of David, through that line of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. That's what the people were chosen for. You know, they weren't chosen because they were, well, they were chosen because the leader Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes, they stayed faithful to God, but they were chosen to bring in this Messiah, this, this Redeemer. And so nowadays you look at Jewish people, oh, they're chosen, they're chosen. Well, they were, and now they've decided to, you know, the, the Orthodox Jews, you know what the word Orthodox means? It's kind of weird for me to know what the word Orthodox means. I'm guessing it means something what I think it means, but what do you think go it, ahead. What, what do you think Orthodox means? Uh, regular. Right. It means right, correct. So to call okay. yourself an Orthodox Jew means I'm a right Jew. I'm correct. What I believe is right, what you believe is wrong. <laughs> so that's, that's what the term Orthodox basically means is, is I'm correct and you're not. Um, but you take some of these Orthodox Jews now that, that you know, do not believe that Jesus ever came, that do not believe that he was the Messiah, that do not believe in the redemption that he offered— well, they're no longer chosen. I mean, they're still, they still got to, you know, in God's heart and all that, but they've rejected what he offered. And the truth is, all of us who accept Christ and become Christians, we become the chosen. So we get grafted into that family. We get, yes, it was brought in through the Jewish people. It was brought in for the Jewish people, but it was also brought in for the Gentiles. And as the Gentiles convert, we're converting basically into that chosen people. And so anything outside of that is no longer chosen. You know, I remember when Passion of the Christ came out. Mm, good one. Um, I um, was really surprised on a number of levels at the reaction, um, beginning with my own grandmother, who was a very religious person. And by that, I mean, she went to church every Wednesday and every Sunday. My grandfather had been music director of their church for roughly 50 years when he finally gave that up. Um, and she saw the movie and her first comment was, yeah, I really liked it, but I wish there hadn't been quite so much violence in it. Hmm. And, um, you know, I was like, well, it was a crucifixion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was violent. That's, that's what the sacrifice was. You know, it wasn't, a slap on the wrist. That's not much of a sacrifice. He was crucified and, you know, uh, among other things. Well, he, yeah. And he, uh, he received the 40 lashes minus one before right. that. Yeah. Right. And, and scholars uh, say that that was accurate, that the, the lashings that he received prior to the cross, that that was an accurate representation of how it was. Yeah. Which he would have probably died from that yeah. alone. Yeah, they said that he, um, he probably wouldn't have survived that, you know, if, if he hadn't gone straight to the cross. Yeah, but, and you know, I think that a lot of times, you know, and a lot of the, uh, at least in, in our church, a lot of the creeds that we recite, I think when, when you get to a point when you start reciting things, um, you lose sight of how significant some of those words are. Very true. And, you know, when you, when you, when you just say, yeah, Jesus was cr crucified. He crucified, died, buried, buried, buried risen on yeah. the third day. He rose again. When yeah. You, when you just say that, you know, you kind of just glaze over, um, 
the significance of crucifixion, which is barbaric torture. Absolutely. You know, um, I mean, the crucifixion in itself, those who are listening that, that don't understand, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you do, but some of you don't understand how you die from crucifixion. You don't die from the nail wounds. You don't die from being nailed to the tree. You die of suffocation. Um, and when you're hung in that manner and your arms are, are out by your sides and your, your body comes down, you, you have the inability to exhale. You can't exhale the air that's in your lungs. So in order to exhale and then, of course, inhale, you have to push yourself up with your feet, keeping in mind that your feet are nailed to a tree. You have to push yourself up into a, a, a position that your lungs are now, you know, even with your, with your shoulders to exhale that air and then breathe in the next breath. Okay. And then of course you slouch. And then of course you can't get rid of that breath because of the way the, the anatomy works. So you have to push yourself up and this is an ongoing battle. And in those days, some people would be crucified and would hang on these crosses for days, fighting for every single breath they took because they couldn't breathe. It, it wasn't a matter of, of bleeding out. It wasn't a matter of, you know, nails in the wrist or anything like that. It was a matter of, of absolute suffocation. Um, and then at the end of the crucifixion, you'll notice uh, in, in that movie and in the accounts in the Gospels that they broke the legs of the thieves. Okay. A lot of people were like, why did they break their legs? Okay. That, that falls perfectly in line with the, the way people die in crucifixion. If I break your legs, you now have no ability to push yourself back up. So they broke the legs so that they could no longer push themselves up so that it would hasten the death because now you're just going to suffocate immediately because you, you have no way to push yourself back up. Of course, when they came to Christ, he was already dead. So they didn't have to break his legs, which fulfilled one of the prophecies. Um, so yeah, it was a horrendous well, way to die. Yeah. So the the second thing that uh, I remember when that came out was uh, everyone I knew that was Jewish was concerned that you know Christians were going to start <laughs> lynching them. Anti. You know yeah. that we were going to blame them, and uh, I, was, I was like, you know, that's kind of funny you say that because quite frankly, I've I've never thought about blaming you. Well, <laughs> you yeah. I, I, it was, that's just the way that it was. And, you know, obviously they weren't there personally. Well, so, yeah. uh, kind of hard to blame them, but, uh, but then uh, they would say, you know, well, I don't know. You're, Christians- you're still getting blamed as a white man for doing a lot of things. That- this country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happened a long time ago. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Anyway. uh, But but not entirely different. Um, At the same time, uh, you know, they would say, why can't you Christians just focus on all the good things he did before? (laughs) It's like, well, because for us, the sacrifice is Christianity. Right. You know, that... That is the story. Without the empty uh, tomb, there is no Christianity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, they would kind of understand it. You know, we would uh, just kind of agree that uh, we were on, on different sides of that. But, um, and I understood their point as well. But, you know, therein lies the, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, so, or I should say maybe the separation. Well, kind of. But um, let, me, let, me, uh, let me tickle your brain just a minute. So... You know, we're talking about Christ and his redemption and how he led us um, into reconciliation with God, okay? So let's go back to Genesis and go back to um, the the Hebrews uh, that are in the desert, and they're wandering around. Well, the 40 years is up, the generations have passed, and God comes and says, okay, I'm ready to lead you into the land of Canaan, the, the land that I that I promised you, flowing with milk and honey, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'm ready to do that, but Moses, you can't go with them because you're part of that generation. So you can't spoil that by now at this time, Moses is well into his nineties. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's kind of an old guy anyway, but, um, God says you cannot lead your people into, uh, into the land that I promised you. So Joshua took over and Joshua led the people into the land of Canaan. Okay. So let's remember that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, okay? The New Testament was written in Greek and then translated into other languages, as was the Hebrew. So let's take the name Jesus, okay? The name Jesus was translated, the the way we got Jesus is because it was written in Greek, the Greek word for Jesus is Iesus. Um, and so that's the name as written in the Greek word is Iesus, okay? And that is where eventually the J came in somewhere in there and, and we ended up with Jesus, okay? But if we take the word Iesus and translate that back, it translates to a word called Yeshua, Okay? which translates from Hebrew, Yeshua translates to Joshua. So the man who led them into the promised land in the Old Testament, his name was Yeshua, Joshua. The man who led us into the promised land and our redemption in the New Testament's name was Yeshua, Joshua. That's how the Bible ties itself. I mean, that and, and thousands of other things, but just those little things that how they tie together that 
you know, Joshua led the people into the promised land. Jesus led the people into the promised land, which is now obviously heaven for all eternity and, and redemption and, and um, sanctification back with God. So it's just amazing. You, you know, you're talking about how the Bible just all connects. That's one of those connections that just tickles a lot of people's brains that they don't even realize it. You know, didn't even think that, oh, yeah, they're both named Joshua. Hmm. Because Jesus, I mean, truthfully, if, if, we, if it was written in Hebrew, we would be calling him Joshua now, not Jesus. But since it was translated in Greek, the English word is Jesus. I mean, the, the, the actual translation for Jesus Christ is uh, Yeshua Mashiach, which is uh, Jesus. Yeah, try explaining all that to Customs and Border Control. <laughs> yeah. Well, my name is Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't say uh, that on your actually, passport, sir. <laughs> If I was in Greece, it would be this, but you know now it's this. And right, um, so that's the difference between translation and transliteration. And, and what ended up happening is we translated Joshua into Greek, being Jesus, and then transliterated it to English, calling it Jesus. So that's how we end up with Jesus when his real name is Yeshua. But that's just one tie. That's a that's a lot easier to pronounce. Which one, Jesus? Yes. Yeah, and he cuts my grass. I like that. <laughs> you know, you have a teenage son that could be cutting your grass, too. I know, I know, I know, I know. And, of course, you know, if we look at, let's say Joshua led all the people, and, and God had put all these laws in place, um, going back to how the Bible ties together. Um, all these laws were in place to, you know, that Moses had set forth through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And Joshua brings them into the promised land. Now, God said, I'm going to give you this land. He didn't say you wouldn't have to fight for it because now we've got to fight all the ites, you know, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Levites, the Gigabites and Megabites and everyone else. Um, I don't think they had any Gigabites, but probably hadn't. I'm sure there was a Gigabyte somewhere. Um, but these laws were given to teach them how to live. Well, when Jesus left, he, he said, I've come to not get rid of the law, but fulfill the law. So I'm here to fulfill the law because none of you can. We were talking about why was the law given. The law was given for two reasons. One, so that we would know how to set up a society, how to live, how to do things. But number two, it was also God's way of showing us that you can't live up to it. You cannot. It is impossible for a human being to obey all 613 of these laws. It is impossible for you to be good enough to be righteous on your own and deserve to be in heaven on your own. So these laws were given to us not only as a way to live and, and you know keep us alive, but also a way of showing us that no matter what, we're never going to be good enough. We're never going to make it on our own. We have to have this Messiah. I mean, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ just means the Messiah or the anointed one. So we need the Christ who did live that perfect world, who did obey all the commandments, who did obey all the laws, who was perfect to come and take our place. And so Jesus said, I'm here not to get rid, I'm here to fulfill the law. And so when he would teach, he would teach in parables. And he would teach, you know, a parable is a, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so he would try to relate to people how to live because now we're going to get rid of this law. Now all these laws that, that were put out there were saying, okay, we're going to get rid of that. We're going to be done with that. And the problem was that up until now, 
we, we know where the Old Testament came from, and we would have these people called rabbis out there. And the rabbi's job was literally to memorize the Old Testament, not get familiar with it, not know it really well, not know where everything, memorize it frontwards and backwards. That was their job. And then their job was also to then teach. Hey, we're getting into uh, about halfway here. Let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll, uh, we'll come right back with the rest of this. Okay, looks like we're back. Um, you guys missed the fact that uh, off camera and off the air, Troy and I uh, came up with our own commercial for uh, Mana, new from Nestle. Now Troy it's strawberry it. flavor. Now it's strawberry flavored Mana <laughs> at your local grocer's now. Yeah, but get it quick because it has a tendency to disappear fast. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we kind of decided that maybe strawberry flavored mana kind of defeated the purpose. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I heard. But anyway, I heard man, it was nice. It was pretty funny. You guys should have, we should have been recording that. All right. I was talking um, about rabbinical teaching, but you said you wanted to go back to the Old Testament about something. Yeah. So, uh, a, a big, so actually in the beginning, you said that, you know, you kind of divided um, the Bible into um, eras, eras or sections mm -hmm. or, um, and, and what, what, did, what was the phrase that you used? Uh, the, the Old Testament, I, I call the prophetic uh, era, uh, okay, the Old prophetic. Testament era. Yeah, that's, that's where all the prophecies were pointing towards Jesus. Right. So kind of going back to uh, kind of the historical portion, portion of the Old Testament, there's a big chunk of it where the Jews just had a bad time all the way around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, all of the... The books, you know, Joshua, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, ending with Esther, I guess. It was just trials and tribulations. So how does all of that kind of fit into the, well, how does that, because all of this would have been after Moses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, after Moses. Yeah. yeah. So, Le leading up to Abraham, yeah. So things really didn't get better for them for a while uh yeah yeah well as it, far it, as well it did it didn't okay because you gotta understand the israelites were stupid okay and you know up until now up and you know when joshua led them over they, they were the hebrews and they were the hebrew nation um and then along comes jacob uh you know and, and jacob is is you know he fights with with the angels um and he uh he 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 wrestles with God, um, and then finally God has an. He wrestles with him all night, and finally God reaches down and touches his hip, and basically dislocates his hip, and and that was the end of the fight. Uh, but Jacob was fighting with God the the whole time, and you know, and finally God had enough, and he just went tweak, and uh, and that was the end. Um, but then after that, God renamed Jacob to Israel. Okay, and the reason he renamed him Israel literally means God wins. Okay. So now Jacob's new name is Israel. So that's how the Israelites came to be, is that they are, you know, from Jacob and the and the and the the tribes of of uh, of Jacob, the twelve tribes of Jacob. So, so then we get into the Israelites um, because they're following Israel, who was Jacob. 
Um, but they were stupid. They were stupid people. Um, and, and they're very much like we are right now. Um, the Israelites would, you know, God would, would, would smack them around a little bit and say, okay, look, I need you to focus and, and do this and, 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 and follow me and, and be the way I want you to be. And the Israelites go, yep, yep, God's good. God's great. Let's follow him. Let's go. Oh, looky there, a squirrel. And, and they would start going in, an, in another direction or they would start living with these other uh, tribes, which was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. But then these other tribes would worship all these other gods. Well, well, maybe we should worship those other gods too. You know, oh, yeah, that, that makes more sense. Let's worship all those other gods. You know, and then, of course, God being a jealous God he was, he'd smack them around again. And so, yeah, all through uh, you know, Joshua. Now, Joshua was more of we're fighting to get our land that God gave us. You know, God gave us this land, but we've got to clear it out. We've got to get rid of all the people. Uh, we've got to move everything out so that we can establish our nation here. Um, but then after that, it's just one thing after another. You, yeah, you go through Judges, you go through Samuel, you go through all these things, and it's just the, the Israelites being stupid, doing stupid things, leaving God, deciding we don't need you, and then hit smack them around, and back they would come. Or they would do something stupid and get themselves enslaved with another, you know, another tribe, and then God would have to free them and bring them back. And it was just after, it was just one after another, after another, after another, and they were just stupid people. And so God just kept bringing them back because He had a plan. He had to keep these people alive to get to Jesus. So I guess you know, and going through you know those books that we talked about, like in Esther. She saves them again. Yeah, yeah. From the Persians. Yeah. Um, and I guess once you get to Isaiah, things start getting better. Uh, they, they got a little better. Uh, but I mean, it, 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 it kept going. I mean, it, it wasn't as bad. We weren't, you know, the Israelites weren't getting, um, you know, enslaved as much as they were, but they were still wondering. <laughs> you know, they were still being stupid and God was still having to smack them around. You know, uh, even in Isaiah, um, you know, you look at, uh, when the, uh, Ammonites came and destroyed everything they had, everything they had. In fact, I love that you brought up Isaiah because, you know, the, the Israelites got complacent and they decided, you know, yeah, we don't really need God that much. And so God said, well, I'll show you how much you need me. And he sent the Ammonites and they came in and destroyed everything. They destroyed everything they had. And if you look at Isaiah nine ten. And I'll tell you why this is so important. It's one of the quotes that you will hear after every natural disaster, after 9-11, after any time something really bad happens, whether it be from someone else or from a natural disaster, you'll hear politicians, they'll get up and they'll quote Isaiah 9-10 like it's, it's just the greatest thing in the world. I'm assuming you just looked it up. Did you just look it up? I have the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. Now that sounds yeah. wonderful in and of itself. You just say yeah. that out, you know, that, hey, they knocked us down, but we're going to get right back up. Keep reading. And we're going to build back better and stronger than ever. That's right. But when you keep reading you realize that that's exactly the opposite of what God wanted. Mm, that is exactly well, the opposite of what God 
wanted for the God wanted the Israelites to turn back to him first. Turn back to me first. Come to me, tell me you're sorry, tell me you repent, and I will forgive you and I will bless your nation and I will keep these people away from you. But no, 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 no. Hey, no, the bricks you're right. Are that's completely kind of taken in in reverse context exactly. because the way it is here, um, they're saying, you know, we're going to rebuild in spite of you. Exactly. And every and, politician will get up after every natural disaster, and that's the dadgum thing they quote. And it's basically yeah. thumbing your nose at God. You're quoting something that the Israelites were thumbing their nose at God, saying, we don't need you to build. We can build it better. We can make it better with, it, with or without you. We don't need you. And so every time the politicians get up and say that darn, oh, I just get so angry. And it's, it's even, you know, the, the, the Christian, the good Christian politicians that get up and say that. Heck, well, Mitt Romney's not a Christian, he's a Mormon. But I heard Mitt Romney say it, who believes in the Bible. And Mitt Romney got up and said it one time after 9-11. And if you look under 9-11, I think it was said probably 150 times. Um, well, I hear that after every major catastrophic, catastrophic event, whether it be uh, a, uh, a small town that's been wiped out by a tornado or uh, the entire, you know, uh, big portion of the Gulf Coast after a hurricane. Those are the exact words that are right. said over and over again. Exactly. And no one bothers to see what they mean. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the most dangerous things. That, that we do as Christians is we will misquote the Bible. There's so many Bible misquotes out there that we totally misquote because we didn't read the verse before or the verse after. We just, that verse sounded good. So let's use that. You know, and a lot of these, a lot of these pastors, you know, like uh, I've, I've named him before. I'll name him again, Joel Osteen. He will build a sermon and then find scripture to put into his sermon instead of going to scripture and building his sermon based in the scripture. He does it the exact opposite. If it sounds good, if it's this little one line that sounds good, I'll throw it in my sermon, even though it doesn't mean that. It sounds good. And then people are sitting in the audience going, oh, wow, yeah, that's just so appropriate. Oh, yeah, we're going to rebuild better than ever. You know, God God loves us. No, you're, you got it backwards. You got it backwards. We got to turn back to God first. So yeah, you know that, and that was that was the story of the Israelites all the way up to uh, to Micah. Um, you know, and Micah was the last prophet, and um, he was the last word we heard about Jesus. He, you know, he had a lot of prophetic things and a lot of uh, prophecies about Jesus, and then there was four hundred years of silence. Uh, what we call in the you know biblical text the um, the Dark Ages. Now that's not the Dark Ages that we know, but that's the Dark Ages of the Bible. Uh, 400 years of, of nothing, just complete and utter silence. Um, so then, like I said, we skip forward into the Messianic era, and here comes Jesus. And, you know, Jesus would teach based on the Old Testament. You know, a lot of the things he would teach would be based in the Old Testament. But the way he would teach it, he would say things like, you have heard it said, blah, blah, blah. Like, for example, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, and then he would go on to say something else. So every time Jesus, you know, when you see it in the red letters, because Zim's is the important ones, when you see it in the red letters, where you see you have heard it said, you almost always is followed by a but. 
So you have heard it said this, <laughs> but I tell you, because what he's referring to is rabbinical teaching. Where a rabbi, like I told you, they, they memorize all of Scripture, and then they decide what's important, and they decide what it means. And they decided that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, that, that seems fair to me. Let's, let's go with that. Well, that's not in Scripture. That's not what was written. That's what you've heard. That's what you've been taught. So when Jesus says, you have heard it said, but. And then he'll go on to tell you what, what the truth is. And then you'll also see <clears throat> when Jesus says, <coughs> excuse me, when Jesus says, you have seen it written, that means he's about to quote some scripture on you. Okay, that means that this is literal text that was in the scripture way back whenever. So when Jesus in the red letter says, you have seen it written, blah, that's literal scripture that's coming out of the Old Testament. When you have heard it said, that's something somebody made up, and he's here to tell you the truth. Um, and so that's the way he would teach. And then, of course, after his death, he didn't leave us with any directions. He didn't leave us 613 laws to live by. He left us two. He left us two laws to live by. Love God, love each other. That was it. That's all I got for you. Love God, love each other. And if you think about it, those two commandments, you know, when they asked him, what's the most important commandment? And God said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said, but the second is just as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And those were the only two laws that, that Jesus ever put down. Those are the only two commandments that he ever put down. But if you think about it, it covers all of them. Those two, co those two commandments from Jesus covers all of them. Love God, that covers the first four. Love people, that covers the, the next six. Because if you love people, you ain't gonna, if you love someone as you love yourself, you're not going to steal from yourself. You know, you're, you're not going to lie to yourself. Well, although we do lie to ourselves quite a bit. But, you, you know, you're not going to do these things to yourself. So if you truly love yourself and you love your neighbors, you love yourself, then you're going you're gonna to uphold all Ten Commandments. But what the rest of the Old Testament is, is the apostles who walked with him for three years, who taught with him for three years, kind of telling us, okay, Jesus said to, to love God and love others. Well, what the heck does that mean? Well, here's how we're, we're going to try to explain that to you. And so that's what the rest of the Old Testament is, basically explaining what Jesus meant by love God, love others. That's kind of the... The whole, I would think of all those books, that's what Philippians is primarily about. Absolutely. Just, uh, and pretty much all of them are, with the exception of Acts. You know, Acts is, um, Acts is more of, here's how we did it. Um, you know, Acts is, it, Acts was written by Luke, and, uh, but it was from the perspective of Paul. So Luke is actually interviewing Paul and going through everything with Paul and, and traveling all of here and doing all this. So Acts is actually written by Luke, but through the perspective of Paul, and it's more of a how we did it, how we got, how we are going to move this church forward. How are we going to do this? And so it's somewhat of a history lesson of, of how we got there. But then every other book in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, pretty much is a letter saying, hey, so-and-so, Here's what I think y'all should do. Hey, so-and-so, I've heard you're doing this. Y'all need to quit that and start doing this. And so it was basically just love others, love God, um, and, and you know, writing it to the, the Philippian people, writing it to the Colossians, writing it to the, uh, you know, the people at Ep Epithy, or um, <laughs> forgot their names, 
writing Ephesians? A, Ephes- yeah, to Ephesus. Uh, you know, writing it to the people at Ephesus. Um, so it was all these letters that were written. Uh, you know, Paul wrote about 70% of the New Testament. Uh, you know, you've got Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which were all written. Um, the, uh, two of those were firsthand accounts. Two of them were not of the life of Jesus. Uh, now, the ones that are not firsthand accounts, they are interviews of people of firsthand accounts. Um, you know, my dad was, it's funny because so many Christians don't understand this. That, you know, my dad was like, yeah, but those were written so much longer after Jesus died. You know, how, how, can, how can they be reliable? Because they were written so, so far past his death. Well, actually, they weren't. If you take the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Mark was written somewhere between 66 and 70 A.D. So that's about 30 years after Christ died. The Gospel of Matthew and Luke, we think, were somewhere around 85 to 90 A.D. So we're at about 50 years post-Christ. And then John was written 90 to 100 years. John was an old man. John, John was very old when he wrote his Gospel. Um, and so we're, we're talking about 50 to 60 years from the actual event that occurred. How many history books have you ever read that was written from a perspective of less than a hundred years from the event. You just, you don't, you never hear that. You never hear, you know, that the history of, of whatever, you know, ancient history that was written within a hundred years of the actual event. Yeah. Well, I still have a problem with music from the eighties being declared classic rock. (laughs) Well, might as well get used to that. But for example, the book of Mormon. Okay. The Book of Mormon that the Mormons believe was written, you know, by this uh, this these this angel. By the way, that was written 1830. So we're talking 1800 years after Christ died. Here comes the Book of Mormon that talks about Christ. Okay, yeah, that sounds real reliable. How about the Quran? When was the Quran written? The Quran was written in was between 1610 and 1632, or excuse me, 610 and 632, okay? Um, but yet, guess what? The, the great Muhammad, he didn't write it. Um, there is no book for Buddha. Never has been. That's all by word of mouth. And the Hindus go back to the Virtus, which was written somewhere between 1200 and 200 B.C., and that's it. They don't really, they don't, can't really tie it down. Don't really know where it came from, and they don't even know where they got all their their gods from. But they've got thousands of them. Um, and then, like I said, thirteen of the twenty-seven New Testament books were written by Paul, and Paul died somewhere around eighty A.D. Um, uh, eighty to eighty-five A.D. He died uh, or was killed. Um, so his books were written somewhere between fifty-seven and eighty A.D. So we're talking twenty to maybe 40 years post-Christ. These are pretty accurate books. If they're written that recently past the death of Christ, I mean, I can remember 30 years ago. You know, you asked me stories about 30 years ago, I can tell you. I can tell you about a certain guy who pulled me on a parachute about trying to kill me. Yeah, well... That was 30 years ago. I wouldn't know about that. No, I'm sure you wouldn't, but... (laughs) 
Well, that's why I can't believe that music from the eighties is considered classic rock. Cause that was only, you know, 10 years ago. That was not 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news of you on that one. That was almost 40 years ago. <laughs> it can't be true. It is. It is all true. It is all true. Um, so, you know, this Bible follows this perfect line from beginning to end written by 40 different authors over 4,000 years, none of which knowing the other, but yet it's a perfect line from creation to even, if we go to John's revelation, to the end. Do you know when Jesus first showed up in the Bible? Christmas Day. <laughs> no. Do you know when Jesus was first mentioned in the Bible? Um, I guess at the end of the Old Testament. Actually, it was in Genesis one twenty six. Oh well, the um, yeah. This is when we were creating man. It was, and God said, "Let us make mankind in our image." And God was referring to himself yeah. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he was again mentioned. When was Jesus mentioned as the Redeemer? When, when was it known that he was going to come and save us? That was in Genesis 4, verses 14 and 15, where the fall, they, they've eaten the apple. He's mad. God's mad. And he's punishing the serpent and he's telling the serpent, you will now crawl in your belly forever. You will be the lowest of all creatures. And then he talks about the woman and that there will be iniquity between you and the woman and of her seed. And it says that he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay. And that is referring to Jesus Christ himself right there, where the child came from a woman, from Mary, and Satan would bruise his heel. He would hurt him. He would hang him on a tree and kill him. But by defeating death, Jesus came and crushed Satan's head and destroyed death. And so that's all the way back in Genesis. All the way back in Genesis, we hear about Jesus. And even in John's gospel, you know, where it starts within the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I mean, that's in the beginning. That's in Genesis. So Jesus has been around from day one to now and beyond. And every account throughout the Bible is in some way related back to Jesus Christ. Whether we're fighting to keep his bloodline going, whether we're prophesying of his coming and his eventual death, whether he's here and he's teaching, or whether we're looking back at what he's done for us, it's all about Jesus, the whole thing. It was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan. There were over 300 prophecies. So, in the Old Testament, about Jesus, and he fulfilled everyone. I'm guessing that uh, we're going to be wrapping this up pretty soon. Yes, sir. I'm, and, I've um, got it all done, yeah. I um, kind of wanted to throw something out to the people that listen. You know, we kind of were joking about manna earlier, and uh, since that time, I've kind of been looking at recipes. It's a pretty basic uh, recipe, but I'm just curious if any of the listeners have ever made manna or tried manna and um, they could uh, let us know what they thought of it. Yeah. And do you have, can you make it in strawberry? 
I'm sure you could add strawberries, you know, um, the ingredients, uh, are water and wheat berries. And, uh, then you add a little bit of uh, raisins, salt, and cinnamon, mm. and that's it. I wonder if that's any way that the manna from heaven actually was. Well, this alludes to the fact that it, um, that it is based upon that. And what's the shelf life of this manna? I mean, do you have to eat it immediately upon exiting the oven or do you have a couple hours? Because the other manna um, was gone by the, by if, when the sun went down, that stuff was rotten. It says, uh, you slice it and you eat it. Yeah. You better eat it quick. <laughs> it says you take it out of the oven, let it cool. Then you slice it into pieces. There you go. But we have refrigeration now, so we do. And they had that rocks, might help. And they had rocks that water poured out of. So, you know, which is uh, better. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, which is better. Uh, some people say that the rock that Aaron struck with Moses's staff that spewed forth water, fresh water, was actually also an indication of Jesus, as Jesus was considered the the water of life. So I don't know. I guess we could probably point anything in that direction if we wanted to. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Kyle, I appreciate you stepping in and, uh, and taking guest host on this. Um, as always, we, uh, we thank the listener. We appreciate y'all listening to us. And, uh, if you get an opportunity, we sure would greatly appreciate it if you'd go in and, and give us those five stars, if you think we're worth it and, uh, maybe write a little review and, uh, tell us how we did and maybe give us some suggestions on what you'd like to hear next. Um, I have some, uh, some guests lined up for in the near future. Uh, we've got some really exciting people that we've got coming on uh, in the next few episodes, uh, and I'm really looking forward to bringing those people in. But uh, if there's something in particular you want to hear about, something you want to hear our opinion about, absolutely drop us a line. Uh, you can get us at exploringtheway21 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at, Facebook at exploringtheway21. And then you can always get on our website at uh, exploringtheway.info. It's www.exploringtheway.info. And uh, just reach out to us and tell us what you think. And uh, we appreciate any and all feedback, and we take it very seriously. Kyle, thank you, sir. You're welcome. And uh, everybody out there, thank you again, and we'll see you next time. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.